have arrived at our final Sunday in the season of Advent. We've journeyed along, we've heard the familiar stories, we've heard the jingle bells jingling all along the way. And it's been an incredible journey, reminding us of the hope that comes with the birth of Christ, the peace that reigns with the birth of the, the Prince of Peace, the great joy, the joy that Mary sang of and that continues to sing in our hearts. And this morning, a reminder of the great love, the love of God shown to us through Christ. Now it is common practice for us to hear these stories, the stories of Christmas, over and over again. But I think it's interesting that not all the stories of Jesus begin with angels and shepherds and a manger. If you were to open your Bible and go to the New Testament to read those stories of Jesus, you would see in Matthew and in Luke, yes, there are those familiar stories of how Jesus first came to be. If you flipped to the Gospel of Mark, well, he just says, well, forget it, that's covered. We're just going to go straight into the heart of Jesus' ministry, right? He goes straight to John the baptizer. Remember, we say John the baptizer, not John the Baptist, right? We're Methodist people, okay? John the baptizer. And... Um, then all the ways that Jesus stepped into the world to be who he was meant to be. And then we flip to that last gospel, the gospel of John. And John does something altogether different. Some may say it's abstract. Some may say it's poetic. And others say, well, it's just plain weird. <laughs> But John chooses to tell his story of Jesus in this way. We're reading this morning from John chapter 1, beginning with the first verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. Everything came into being through the Word, and without the Word, nothing came into being. What came into being through the word was life, and the life was the light for all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness doesn't extinguish the light. A man named John was sent from God. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him everyone would believe in the light. He himself wasn't the light, but his mission was to testify concerning the light. The true light that shines at all people was coming into the world. The light was in the world, and the world came into being through the light. But the world didn't recognize the light. So it seems to me for John, John doesn't just want to start a new story, but he wants to go back to the beginning of the whole story, to the very beginning, to creation, to say that this Jesus, this word of God, didn't just begin 
in Bethlehem in a manger, but was present even from the beginning. The word logos, the divine word. And it's interesting that this word was not just present there in the beginning. It's not that the word was just hanging out with God as God was creating, right? But the word was, was active and present, a part of the work of God from the beginning. Now, this should not be a surprise to us, right? If we've read Genesis, then these are familiar words to us. Do you remember the first verses of all of Scripture? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without shape or form. It was dark over the deep sea, and God's wind swept over the waters. God said, let there be light. And so light appeared. God spoke creation into being. Right? God didn't wave some magic wand. God didn't just think about creation and it appeared. God didn't form it or mold it or build it. But God spoke the word. And creation existed. God spoke the word, and there creation was. This word that John speaks of, active and present, even from the beginning, the power of God's word. And so that's what I've been thinking about a lot this week is the word, the power of God's word. And then wondering what kind of power is there still in words? If God's powerful word could speak creation into being, can our words too create? Thought about that common saying, maybe you were taught it as a child or you have taught it to your children. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It sounds great, it's a cute little rhyme. But I'm afraid there's still power in words. And words can still hurt us whether it's a passing insult, a harsh critique, or just words of, of spite or hate. When those words are heard, rarely will they have the power to break our hearts. And when they're heard more frequently, they have the power to break our souls. 
They have the power to even start to redefine for us who we believe we were created to be. Thankfully, this same power also comes in positive words, right? In words of affirmation and celebration. I mean, do you know what it is for someone to look at you and say, wow, you are amazing. You did a really amazing job, wonderful. You're beautiful. You are smart. You are caring. You are who God created you to be. These powerful words, yeah, they have the power to to fill our hearts and to lift our souls. And again, the power to define who we believe we are. The sad thing is, for some reason, the way we function as humans, those negative ones just seem to carry more power. <laughs> those are the ones that tend to echo in our minds. John Gottman, he's a kind of relationship expert. He talks about the power of negative and positive words, and he says that in relationships, the magical ratio is five to one. That for every negative word that's spoken, there need to be five positive ones in order to balance us out. How are we doing on that? In your life, are you experiencing that? Where for every negative word you hear, do you hear five positive ones being spoken into your life? Well, how about something we have more control over? For every negative word you speak, are you speaking five positive? As a parent, I have to admit, I maybe don't always do that real well. <laughs> maybe they, my kids hear no a lot more than they hear yes. But there is power in these words, power. Maybe not the power of the word that speaks all of creation into being, but there is power in our words that affects creation, especially those of us that were created in the image of God, the power of words. And so this week, as I was digging in to, to words and their meaning and their power, I came across um, an article about the, the word of the year. This is a thing, apparently, right? That different kind of dictionary groups decide on a word of the year every year. It's a word that maybe is used most frequently or that defines some moment in the year, a cultural moment. 
Right, and so according to dictionary.com, the word of 2019, any guesses? No, uh, no guesses. Okay, the word for 2019 is existential. Existential is our word for 2019. Existential meaning, right, having to do with our existence, questioning our state of being and who we are. Now, dictionary.com, this is what they say. Notable among their searches right? They're always checking to see. Notable among our searches was existential, which we've chosen as our word of the year for 2019. It captures a sense of, of grappling with the survival, literally and figuratively, the survival of our planet, of our loved ones, of our ways of life. Yep, heavy stuff, they say. But existential also inspires us to ask big questions about who we are and what our purpose is in the face of our various challenges. And it reminds us that we can make choices about our lives and how we answer those questions. The article said existential, right, it popped up all over the news. It was in conversations about Brexit, conversations surrounding the, the protests in Hong Kong, conversations in our own crazy government issues that are happening in our country, all the way to, to conversations about climate change and even in conversations around the, the burning of Notre Dame in Paris this year. These big questions about our existence and our, and our purpose and our meaning. Disney even grabbed hold of existential, because of course they did, right? Did anybody see Toy Story 4? Anybody? I see a couple hands. Okay. So, thank you. Uh, Toy Story 4 uh, had a new character brought in, and he looks kind of like this. Forky! Forky. Forky is the new character in Toy Story 4. Now, Forky is made of a spork. And the little girl in the movie, Bonnie, she goes to kindergarten. She is nervous. She's scared. She doesn't know anyone. And so she makes a new friend out of pieces of trash that she finds in the classroom. And she names him Forky, and he becomes her new best friend. Forky, however believes himself to be one thing and one thing only, trash. All throughout the movie, all Forky says is, I'm trash, I'm trash, I'm trash, and tries to get back into the trash can. But Woody, our faithful cowboy, tries to walk alongside Forky and tell him, no, Forky, no, you are not trash, you are a toy, and you are Bonnie's toy. He says, at one point, he says, Forky, you, you are a toy. Bonnie, Bonnie loves you. Who does Bonnie sleep with every night? And he goes, that big fluffy marshmallow thing? No, not the pillow, Forky. You. She sleeps with you, Forky. She loves you. She holds on to you. It's interesting what 
the director of Toy Story 4, Josh Cooley. He says, Forky's existential crisis resonates with audiences because we all think at one time or another, what is my purpose in life? Examining what it means to be alive through the googly eyes of a disposable utensil used for soup, salad, or maybe chili, has us questioning our purpose beyond what we think we are and what we can be. The food is just the metaphor, but Forky's journey is our journey. And he reminds us not to throw ourselves away. There are so many words thrown around. Words that are spoken to us, words that are spoken about us, words that are spoken by us. And they begin to take on this power to define us and who we are and who we are meant to be. They echo in our minds and in our hearts and they lead us to this kind of existential crisis. Maybe, maybe you wouldn't define it as, as a crisis, but maybe it's just questioning and wondering, really, who am I? What am I doing? What is my purpose? So many words thrown around. What is the word that defines me? And that's where John's Jesus comes back to speak a little more loudly. With all the words spoken in the world, there is one true word that offers a final answer to this question, to who we are, to our existence. John says, through the word was life, and the life was the light for all people. God's word first spoke creation into being spoke all of us into existence. And that word continues to speak. That word then became flesh to shine light into our world and to remind us of who we are and who we are meant to be. Just like in the story of creation, God separated the darkness from the light. God saw that the light was good. And here now, John's Jesus comes to say, the light has come, and the darkness will not overcome it. This is the word of God of God for us. The word is the life of Jesus. Come in to this place to shine the light and to speak God's truth to us once again. And what is that truth? 
What's one word? For God so loved the world that God gave God's only Son, our Lord, the Word, the Logos, because God loves. The Word that was spoken in creation, the Word that now speaks from a manger, is the Word that continues to echo throughout creation. It's a word of love. Love for all of us. And so when we start to ask these questions about about who we are, who we're meant to be, what is our purpose, we can name a lot of different things. We can have other people name things for us. But the final word that comes is the word of truth from God. And that word is love. May we carry that word with us. May we allow it to speak louder than any other word we may hear. I know this week you maybe going to, to visit family or to be with friends. Or, and that may be a joyous time for you or that may be a hard time for you. And there may be words spoken around the table or around the tree. That hurt or that are painful or that don't reflect the truth of God's word. In those moments, hear God's word of love for you, overwhelming them all. And when you, when you are tempted to speak a word that is less than loving, when you've had it up to here, because I've been there, I know, when you've had it up to here. Take a breath and remember and hear God speaking God's word to you. That word that comes to bring life and light and love. There is power in our words, and there is ultimate power in God's word for us. Will you pray with me? Oh God, from the beginning, you spoke, and things happened. From the beginning, your word brought all creation into being. As we come to the close of our Advent journey, as we creep up next to Christmas, help us 
to hear your word speaking into creation still. That through your word, through your word that was made flesh in Christ, we see life, we see light, and we know love. Love above all else. Speak your word into our minds and into our hearts this day and every day. Amen.